I'll be honest, I, I find it harder to <laughs> disciple with women. Um, and part of that is we're just really busy people and it's hard to stop being mom and wife and coworker and all those things for even just a few minutes a week to, to fit that in. And so um, one of the things I, I have tried to do off and on over the years is find at least one or two women and just invite them to come do something with me just to do life in some way, whether it be um, that we ride together to field trips or we just ride together to the grocery store. And, you know, that's rare, but when we can do something together, we can have that moment in time where we can have a little discipleship time. It may just be in the car for a moment. It may be walking the track while the kids play on the playground. It's little things like that, that I, I've had to, to try to find ways to reach um, different people where they are. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Welcome everyone to part two of our interview with Wes and Amanda Gunn from Redland Hills Church. It uh, was a really powerful, insightful interview. Stephen, for me, the big takeaway was their emphasis on life-on-life discipleship. I, I really loved and resonated with a lot of the stories that they shared about how they connected with people, how they tried to bring people into their normal sphere of life. I thought it was really good. And I hope as our listeners listen to this episode, they will hear a lot of that coming out. What about you? Yeah, I liked when we were talking about their own, what they learned about discipleship, their own personal discipleship throughout this journey, this long journey. Uh, And just the idea that through all of this, God brought them to, to new places of faith independence. Uh, it was an experience of trusting, trusting God all along the way. Uh, it's not a, it's not a one time decision to trust it's over and over. And we grow in our faith and independence on God. Uh, I think that's a powerful story. Yeah, I think that's good, Stephen. The thing that really struck me through this entire interview is just the depth that they were able to share with us about their experience, not just of church planting, but into church planting. I think there's a lot of insights about family life, about discipleship, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It was just a great interview. And so with that said, let's move on into the second part. Really appreciate everything you guys are sharing on on this interview. We want to shift now a little bit to to talking more practically about discipleship and and about what you've learned as a church planner. And that's what I want to lead with right here. What do you wish you knew when you started church planning? Yeah, I I think... um... Part of that would wrap around the perseverance and endurance that's required to be faithful in the hard days and to know 
you know, we're in the people business. <laughs> and so, of course, there are disappointments, there are frustrations. And, and I think early on, um, I wanted God to give us established, mature, ready to go people. And what God revealed to me over time was that we would have to disciple those people. <laughs> we, we would not get, you know, the kit fully put together. We would have to do a lot of assembly. Uh, all of the people on our launch team had zero church leadership experience. Um, and, and there's some positives in that. There's, there's, there's blessing, um, but there's also a lot of drawbacks as well. And early on, I perhaps ruled out a lot of people like, oh, they wouldn't be interested in this, you know, um, uh, this won't be their thing, et cetera. And kind of sidelined some people who wind up being the very people that became essential and the most fired up for what we were doing. For instance, we had some folks who um, were very uninvolved um, in church, uh, had, had never been really, and you know, on our launch, they became our greatest advocates. They became, we were portable church and, you know, pulling the trailer, helping set up chairs, getting things ready, inviting people. And so we became, you know, surprised by the people who embraced and were excited to join this journey with us. And so I would say to my younger self, hey, don't rule out uh, and, and maybe you'll be surprised at the people God brings to you. Cause that's what he does. And I think part of that in our journey was, you know, you're not going to rely on these people or mature, you know, believers who've got all this experience. You're going to rely on me and, uh, to raise up those people and to continue that discipleship journey. Otherwise, I think we would have emphasized discipleship less. Mm. That's fascinating. Amanda, what's one thing that, that you would say you wish you knew back at the beginning? Um, probably a lot, a lot of the same that he said. I, I mean, I feel like Mission Alive really did equip us for a lot of things um, that I would not have thought of had we not gone to those Mission Alive trainings. Um, but I, I guess I was also just real surprised at how when people came to the church plant in its very early stages, they were mostly people that had been either out of church for a very long time, which is what we wanted. But because of that, they were like brand new baby Christians. And so it was, it was like, just, I had been around mature Christians for so long. It was an, it was eye opening to think, okay, I'm, I'm like, I can't expect some of the same things from them that I had expected around, you know, old friends and, you know, people I'd known in the church community that had been in a church community their whole life and, and how they, um, how they were learning to disciple their children. As I was, I was discipling my children in ways that I, I had seen done for years. Um, they were, brand new to this idea of teaching their children about God. And so um, just being, I guess, just being more aware of that in the beginning would have been nice versus 
oh wait, you don't do that with your kids <laughs> and me being just completely off guard and surprised that, um, that that was a new thing for them. And, um, so, yeah, I just may add one other thing in this direction is mm-hmm. that where I came from, I had a, as a missions minister, I had a team around me that I had mm-hmm. cultivated over 10 years We had traveled together, prayed together, read things together, and had built up immense trust with one another. And when I stepped into this role as church planter with my new launch team, I expected the same kind of trust and camaraderie that I'd had with the longevity of this other group. And I I found myself, you know, I found them um, needing me to back up. 10 steps and, and having to cultivate those relationships and that trust because they'd not been with me, traveled with me, seen, you know, the fruit that had come out of that. And so this was all brand new. And so I had to learn how to operate with this new launch team and bring them along into the journey together and be patient with that process as well. Thank you guys for sharing those things. It, occurred to me that you mentioned some of the learning labs that Mission Alive had had done for you, but church planning, especially early church planning, is its own type of learning lab as well. I think that's an important takeaway. So when you guys think about how you began and where where you, you are now with the church, what are maybe the three big lessons that you'd say that you have learned along the way? Patience. Mm -hmm. Uh, One lesson would be uh, that early on, I think I tried to be a fixer in everybody's life as you're getting involved in the lives of people that either disconnected from Christ or a marriage is broken or there's issues in the home or an addiction, which church plants tend to attract for good reason, broken and messy people uh, uh, because they feel less inhibited that they'll be judged. You know, there's they're not walking into kind of the established cliques. They see a new opportunity and many of them want a new start over in their life. And um, I think I, I was caught off guard in the more I've read in church planting literature. That's, that's not an abnormal story, but I think I tried to fix a lot of their problems and carry the weight. In fact, I, I wound up going to the ER one day thinking I was having a heart attack and it was all stress because I was absorbing all of their problems and their issues And so part of one lesson I've learned is um, I can carry a burden with you. I can't carry it for you and I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there for you. Uh, But I've had to lean way in uh, way more on God to um, intervene in people's lives and learn how to love people without absorbing all of that. So that would be one immediate lesson that comes to mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm also a fixer at, and um, I, I've had to learn that not all emergencies, quote unquote, are really true emergencies, but they're not all my emergency. You know, if, if your, your emergency may not need to be my emergency and I don't need to drop everything and try to go fix it or do it for you. And I, I had to learn that kind of the hard way along the, along the way. Um, 
And so now I, I, I definitely reassess things before I jump right in um, to different situations. And I think we'd also say um, that we've learned how to take care of ourselves better mm-hmm. and balancing family life and priority for us. Because again, um, in the people business, and this is not unique to church plants, but I think church planters feel more of this because they don't have the elders, the deacons, the counseling staff, you know, church ministry staff. I mean, it's you, right, that carry often a lot of the people burdens that we've had to learn how to take care of us. And so, as I mentioned a moment ago, my visit to the ER doc was a turning point in my life. Okay, I've got to take care of me or I won't be around to disciple these other people. You know, I'm going to run myself in the ground or burn out. And so, you know, both of us have become way better about our diet, about exercising, about family time um, and learning to, you know, not, as she said, let other people's emergencies always become our emergencies. And because otherwise we would always live in chaos. Mm-hmm. And so establishing healthy boundaries. But when we take care of ourselves, we'll be better to take care of others. Yeah. And also just as I was sitting here thinking about before, when he was missions minister, um, a lot of his ministry was done far, far away from our home. And now with a church plant in our community, all the ministry is like, I can see it from my window. <laughs> it's, it's right there. And it's harder to get away from it, I guess. Not that you want to hide from it, but that um, when it was missions and it was in another part of the world, you could come home and kind of relax and, and not think about it for a little while. And now it's, it's way closer to home. And, and it's something that you, you're in more. So you have to learn the the different boundaries that your family needs to take and, and, and taking care of ourselves um, goes with that for sure. But just learning how to set those, those healthy boundaries that you can still participate in and be an an actual good part to the ministry versus uh, wearing yourself out and then losing sight of things. Those are really important lessons that you guys shared. I think the temptation is for us to think about what what did we learn about the process of, of church planting, but what you guys shared is if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't focus on boundaries, if we don't do the things that are necessary for us to maintain healthy family balance, then th- there won't be any lessons to learn in the church plant because we're going to burn out. That That was some really valuable insight there. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's, you know, a lesson in that for a lot of different contexts, uh, any kind of ministry context, any kind of people helping context of just how are we taking care of ourselves? How are we uh, concerned about other people and in healthy ways or unhealthy ways? Um, I hope that's that, that just that your perspective will help people think about uh, where they are right now, even in their own lives, whether they're church planting or not. We've talked a lot about discipleship or said the word discipleship or discipling uh, uh, quite often in this conversation. What, when you talk about discipleship in your, in your church plant, in your ministry context, how do y'all talk about that? 
Yeah, so I think in terms of layers, uh, the first would be kind of this discipleship triad layer that happens on a very intimate basis. And there's a whole strategy behind that with uh, relational building and the intimacy that happens in a group of three or four on a consistent weekly ongoing basis. What I began to see over time too, was then there's also a need as our church grew to disciple leaders at a different level than, you know, kind of daily Christian rhythm discipling. And so I began to, you know, process all of that, certainly uh, had a lot of input from Mission Alive on that. Ultimately, I landed on a a process, uh, there's one for guys, one for ladies, um, called Joshua's Men that was developed by 12 Stone Church out of Atlanta. Um, And guys, again, commit to a year journey uh, of reading and and working on both um, inward and outward spiritual disciplines and growth. And that creates, so I do that with a group of seven guys. So me is eight. That's because that's how many I can fit around my kitchen table. And uh, that creates another intimacy as well of them journeying together, relying on one another and growing together as leaders and hopefully taking ownership of various pieces of the church. We subsequently started a group called Esther's Women as well. Uh, So those are two components. And then, you know, we've talked about uh, a a little bit about discipling children and families. We've done our best to try to put resources in parents' hands. You know, of course, that has mixed reviews at times. Some parents do better than others at adopting those. Uh, But again, we can't do for your child what you're not willing to do for them uh, during the week. So um, uh, I think in terms of layers. Yeah, I, um, he's done a really great job with the, the men discipleship. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I find it harder to (laughs) disciple with women. Um, and part of that is we're just really busy people and it's hard to stop being mom and wife and coworker and all those things for even just a few minutes a week to, to fit that in. And so, um, one of the things I, I have tried to do off and on over the years is find at least one or two women and just invite them to come do something with me just to do life in some way, whether it be um, that we ride together to field trips or we just ride together to the grocery store. And, you know, that's rare, but when we can do something together, we can have that moment in time where we can have a little discipleship time. It may just be in the car for a moment. It may be walking the track while the kids play on the playground. It's um, little things like that, that I, I've had to to try to find ways to reach um, different people where they are. Um, Cause again, sometimes it's just hard to say, Hey, can you sit down for an hour long Bible study once a week or once a month, even it's hard to do it. it I find it hard for, for us to com- find for me to find women that I, I really can get to commit to some of that, uh, especially when they're in those newer stages of learning and, and being a disciple. You ask how we talk about it in our church and we, we phrase, um, we use the phrase connect community mm-hmm. and compassion a lot as, as a part of that, uh, helping others to connect to God. 
living in community with each other. And obviously that is birthed out of our story of community and discipling and then compassion. Um, so those are ways that we try to keep things in front of people on an ongoing basis. And we have small groups that meet and uh, do things and uh, we do a lot of serve projects in the community. And that's another way that some people that don't do small groups will do every serve day that comes along. So whatever way we can connect with them in that community. <laughs> so it sounds like it, the process of discipling is formal as well as informal uh, catching uh, opportunities along the way, as well as uh, committing to specific opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you finish this uh, sentence? To be a disciple is to be concerned about. I would say probably the whole person. Um, it, um you know, so many times I think churches can zero in just on the salvation experience. Um, and while that is obviously critical and important, where we do life on a daily basis is how that all plays out. And so if we're not in relationship with one another, we're much less likely, I think, to be able to make disciples. Uh, because that's where the rubber meets the road. How are our marriages doing? How are we doing our parenting? How are we loving our neighbor Um, and the stress of life and and being there for one another? And so um, I I don't want to be just concerned about whether or not they've uh, had a salvation experience. I want to be concerned about also, are they, being equipped to, to walk with Jesus in every aspect of their life. That's financially as well. And I, I don't know how to do that outside of community with each other, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is highly relationally based. I mean, you can, uh, obviously I teach and there are people who watch me online and have no relationship to me. And I, you know, I hope I can be a benefit and a blessing to them as well, I think I can use that, but in terms of in the trenches of life with one another, where I grow the most personally, and I think we've seen others grow the most, is in the context of sitting at the table together. That's really good. Amanda, did you have a way that you would uh, complete that sentence? Um, yeah, I was thinking very much along the same lines as what he was saying in the relationship department is, is be, being a disciple is being concerned about um, the things that Jesus would be concerned about. What would he um, be doing in a certain context? And that relation, I mean, he had relationship with all kinds of people. And um, when we first, I mean, he still does this, but when we first started the church, um, there were some things that came up. We had single moms that needed, you know, new floors installed and they had all the pieces, but they didn't have the ability to install the floors. So Wes and some guys would get together and they would install the floors. And he, I remember people saying what the, the pastors helping install the floors like that, like that was just maybe foreign that the 
the concept that their pastor would actually get his hands dirty in doing life with some people. Um, but I think that's what Jesus would do is that he would help do whatever was needed in that person's life to show them what kind of care he has for them. Um, and that that's the kind of stuff when we're living life in this community, we're trying to show the heart of God in, in all areas. And that to me is what really disciples people is that they, they are introduced to Jesus. Yes. But then they learn to live like him in the process. Yeah. You know, so many of our discipleship models are based on information, which is important, obviously, but I think we leave people with a deficit if all we give them is information and we don't model that for them, nor if they don't see us live it. What does it look like to put flesh on this, which is the beauty of Jesus, right? He put flesh on what it means to live in relationship to God. And again, that's hard to do if I only give you information and then you don't know me, you can't see me, you can't be in my house, you can't see how I interact with my spouse or my kids. And so I think that's an important component for pouring fuel on the fire of people's growth. I really appreciate that, uh, that insight. Um, as you think about your own discipleship journey over these years, uh, along the journey of planting a church, what's one thing that each of you has learned about uh, your personal discipleship, you being a disciple over these years? Yeah, it is uh, certainly forced us out of our comfort zone as well to grow. You know, back in the early days of quitting my job <laughs> to go to work for an organization that didn't exist. Um, you know, I, and I was, again, the missions minister calling other people to do that, but I had not done that. You know, uh, I'm calling them to move to another country, but I had not yet, you know, closed down a chapter of my life and done that. And so um, it, it definitely forced us to new places of faith and dependence. And yet God has completely provided for every step along that journey. I'm so grateful for our story. I wouldn't have written it that way, but yet in God's sovereignty, that, you know, he brought all of these pieces and people into our lives. And it certainly didn't happen uh, as quickly as we would have, again, written the story, like we flipped a switch. But as it's unfolded, um, we've, we've tried to learn how to listen to God more and be more discerning in the process. Yeah, and kind of goes along with the taking care of yourself idea physically, but also taking care of yourself spiritually, um, as the church leaders, um, and being the, I guess, top of the chain, not that there's a real chain, but most times there's not, and especially in a church plant, you don't have, like he said earlier, the elders to go to, or that, that older, not sometimes not even an older adult to go to for spiritual advice within your church plant. So you have to really either seek those relationships. Um, you may have to go find them or you may be blessed to just have somebody either in your family or um, coworker. I, I was blessed with some really spiritual coworkers that were a little bit older than me that had um, 
lived life and, and been a disciple of Jesus for longer than me. So they could speak into things that I was experiencing and they, um, were able to help me keep a solid footing. Whereas if I didn't have some of those relationships, um, I might've, you know, forgotten about myself and my own spiritual needs as I'm trying to just pour into all these other people. So making sure that you connect with somebody and mission alive helped us in the beginning with that too. We had huddle groups that we, um, each had, I, I was with Becky Van Reenen and I think Wes was with Galen and Todd and some others. And so we, we started with that and then you could continue with that kind of model, but also, I mean, I find it helpful to find people in my, my actual community or personal space that I, not just through zoom or whatever, but through those connections that I can, I can at least call on the phone or sit down and have coffee and talk about things with. Um, and now as the church has grown and matured, there is more of that within the, com- the church community where there's a few more people that we can even go to in our own church community. But as a, an early phase, we, I mean, I felt like I for sure had to reach out a little bit more and find those people. Um, there were just not as many around me as there were in our old situations. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, discipleship is, you know, programmed, yes, but organic mostly. And I love the the way you talked about your own journey along the way and what you've learned. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I, I love the emphasis that you guys are sharing on the importance of the life on life connection. That discipleship is not just information, but it's at least equally as important that you're with a person and they can see how you're responding to things and they can learn from your example and so on. We'd like to close the interview here by asking you, and I'd like each of you to answer, what would be, what would you consider to be a discipleship win in your church? A win for me would be when a believer recognizes the power of Christ in them to do something they didn't think they could do. Wow. Which would either be a, there's a sin that's put to death that they thought they could never conquer or beat. And they realize by the help of the spirit, they're able to have victory over that or put that to death or to do something in faith, you know, through, through ministry or through mission that they thought they would never do in their life, but they've been able to discern the leading of God, the voice of Jesus in their life and the help of the spirit to walk in faithfulness and whatever God is calling them to do. So I consider that a win for me in discipling relationships. I need to answer. I know, but he answered it way more eloquently than I had in my mind. Um, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, as I was trying to put words to it, he did a better job. I, um, when I see somebody come into our church, that's never, never had the opportunities to be discipled before. And they, 
they start to get excited about Jesus and wanting to do things like he was saying that they've never done before or seeing that they can do things, um, whether it be serving on a Sunday morning or um, just serving their own, like mentoring in their own family. Um, just the fact that they now see that that is a possibility in their life. Um, that to me is a, is a big win. Um, we've, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic and trying to sort of restock Sunday um, and, and whatever that's going to look like. Um, just recently, I, I was trying to reach out to some people about teaching and, and one lady I had reached out to was like, oh, I've, I've, I wouldn't be a, a teacher. I couldn't be a teacher. I've, I've not been coming to church long enough. Um, but I presented the fact that she's already doing this with her, her own child. She's got creativity. I see all of it on Facebook. You know, she's really good at, you know, those fun dress up days at school where her daughter is ready. And, and, and I expressed those are things that would make a great teacher, whether it's Sunday morning or not. And, um, and she, came back with, well, I just never have had anyone say that before. So just being able to, to share those moments with people and, and letting them see that they're capable of more um, through Jesus. And that, that, that's awesome. Connecting people to the trans, the transformative power of a relationship with Christ. That that's, that's great. Wes and Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today. Before we get off the interview, if uh, if somebody's listening to this and they wanted to reach out to you or they wanted to learn more about the church, uh, how are some ways that they could get in contact with you? Yeah, they can reach us at redlandhills.org. That's the name of our church. And uh, we're both on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. And that's Wes Gunn and Amanda Gunn. Well, thank you guys again for for being with us. It's uh, it's been a, been a really good interview, and we really appreciate your guys' time. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this discipleship conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.